0: please a doctor please do we have a doctor doctor in the house please thank you doctor thank you take your time some of these people in the front row they've been here for two days and i don't i don't blame them right i don't blame them They've been waiting in line for two days and hmm. stuff.
1: If you did start blaming them Thank for passing you, out that would be that'd Thank be a you. weird look.
0: Take your time doctor. Take your time. Those are our friends right there. Those are our friends. Take your time.
1: In the four more years chant begins to cover the five people that have passed out at the Trump rally.
2: Wow! Seriously, you have people keeling over. That's five that's people. Odd. Well, they didn't die. They keeled over, though.
0: How are they doing? Are they? She gonna be good? Gonna be good, Doc? Everything okay?
2: Good, Mr. President. You good?
1: It. Good. In business finance, so I'm a doctor technically, but together, folks. what do you think of we her savings? Together. Take your time. <laughs> How well Take she's doing, time. I don't know. Wow, so mm. we love, love you, love you too. we love you, President Trump. Yes,
0: even with that powerful man's voice, I love that guy. I think I'm in love.
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's stealing Pete Butterjuice's act. We love passing out. We,
1: love Trump. Hmm. we should um, we should play a little Thank bit of Mayor. You. Pete. Thank you very much. Thank you. We should play a little Mayor Pete from Fox the other day. There's some there's some good stuff on there on the thought, uh,
2: the town hall he did. Yeah, yeah, and
1: I've seen a bunch of your Republican pundits talk about how uh, how
2: good he is at what he does. Mm. Mayor Pete. Somebody, Somebody on that is doing a CNN town hall tonight. Is that Kamala Harris or? Hey,
1: I'll tell There's you one so many, thing, of them. Uh, you know, uh, not to be talking about this too much with 532 days to go, Thank but you. it seems pretty clear to me that uh up until this year, anyway, people had started to catch on. Hey, you run for president, you get a lot of attention, you write a book, you end up with a cable show, you, you raise your own profile. I think that passed. I mean, that window is over now. So many people have gotten in. There are people that are going to drop out that n- nobody ever heard of. You might. Right, yes. They're going to drop out having never gotten enough attention to get a book or a cable TV show. You still don't know who they
2: are. Well, and I think increasing number of people are kind of hip to that scam. And you might be an object of derision in the future, not admiration. It's funny how cycles
1: come and go. There there was a period of time where... Most people didn't run for president unless they were serious, and a few Al Sharpton and people like that figured out. Oh, this is a way to really raise your profile. Right. You get so much right. attention. Mm-hmm. Well, now if you get twenty people in, there's people running. There's there are five people running. I wouldn't know their, I don't know their faces. At right. least five, if not more. Right. And won't before they'll get out before I ever know who they are. Right. So there's no point in it. You just spend a lot of money. All your friends say, "What are you
2: doing? <laughs> what do you think you're going to be president?" So Kamala Harris, who's running for president, has gone big uh, with the whole pay gap for women, how she's going to pass federal law that mandates that uh, men and women are paid the same for allegedly the same work. She's, in theory, a top-tier candidate, but still in single digits and dropping. Yeah, there might be a couple of tiers there up at the top, and Biden and Bernie are the only ones in the the top one. But anyway, so she's big on that. Uh, Molly Hemingway, who's a really smart writer, Uh, responded to that uh, this morning I'm gonna play that then I have some more comments about why this misconception bothers me so much it's not about politics
3: Well, first off there's this you know she said when she made her announcement that women make eighty cents to every man's dollar and this is just This type of statement is a failure to understand how labor economics works. It is true that women, on average, make less money than men, but Mm -hmm. they do so for many different reasons, including the type of jobs they choose to have, how much risk is involved, how much time they take off of work, how many hours they work in the office. And when you control for all of those factors, the the pay gap between the sexes decreases to almost nothing. So the idea that you'd want a large federal government program to come in and tell companies what to do here when there's not actually a problem uh, is, is difficult.
2: And it would be a logistical nightmare Can you imagine? Nobody could get a raise anymore It would be too risky for a company to give anybody a raise Because if it was a guy and not a gal Well, they'd be liable under the law And there would be no defense of, well, he's just a lot better at it Or she's a lot better at it, so she got a raise But any, what really bothers me about this Because this has been debunked over and over again By plenty of people who call themselves feminists It's just not true is that so much of the difference has to do with life choices I choose not to work 70 hours a week I choose to take all of my vacation time to be with my kids my family whatever I choose to you know and and women are saying as a woman my priorities are more this and they make life choices that I find not only defensible but admirable they're much healthier ways to live than Working like a like a maniac your entire career, making lots and lots of money, and then dying lonely and estranged and stressed out at an early age. I mean, and so the whole women's pay gap thing it overlooks what I think are healthy, sane life choices and reduces people to economic cogs. There is nothing else that matters. The only thing that matters is what you make, and there can be no legitimate pricing of labor resources based on how valuable those labor resources are. It's just it's, it's ugly morally that argument. It's completely inaccurate and it would usher in a government program that would be so damaging and crippling to the economy. I don't think, you know, most people have spent the minute or two it would take to imagine what it would look like. But it's just that's an insidious thing to say on a number of different levels.
1: Um... Kamala Harris was pushing that big yesterday, and the crowds were cheering, of course. Wouldn't you have to have uh, transparent salaries everywhere you Absolutely, 100%. You so everybody yeah. would have to know what everybody else makes, which yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what that would do to the workplace either.
2: Well, and I'm telling you, nobody would get a raise. It would just be too dangerous for any company to reward good work, which brings you then a socialist or Soviet-style economy, where there's no reward for excelling in the private sector. You just, if you check the government box, you get paid acts. You seriously don't want that system, my friends. But listen, we'll wrap that up. It'll come up again, um, because we've got an interview coming up with Selena Zito, who writes for Washington Examiner's Magazine. A really interesting thing she did. She went out and interviewed, I think it was five different combat veterans from very different backgrounds, and just talked to them about um, serving the country and fighting and what it means to them and their lives. And, And we want to chat with her in a minute or two, so. Hang around for that. Cool.
3: I
1: like the sound of that.
3: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: To get to this hour, good reason to accuse your mom of witchcraft. Also, Hmm. if you lower your car so low that you can't get over the speed bumps in your town, does the town owe you money? Among other things, we should deal with.
2: We wanted to uh, have a chat, at least briefly, with Selena Zito of the Nash. She's a national political reporter for the Washington Examiner magazine who uh, took on a project uh, recently that uh, we found very compelling indeed uh selena is was a pittsburgh-based columnist and reporter also columnist at the new york post selena how are you good morning how are you we're good we we found the uh the summation of your your recent project so interesting the uh the the five people you met talked to got to know who were all called to duty by 9 um, 11 it had to be a fascinating project talking to all of them
3: absolutely so as a journalist um the way i approach reporting is that I don't fly, and I don't take interstates. So the people that I often talk to, um, I I only take back roads. You and I so could hang conversation-
1: out. That's my way to travel, too. That's the only way you can see the country.
3: That's right. And you also can understand the changes that are going on in the country and have a real uh, bird's-eye view of who we really are, as opposed to sometimes how the national news tends to sort of you know, narrow us down to this certain 10%. Amen. And so, so in talking with veterans over the years, um, I thought it was really important uh, to, to go back and, talk and, and, and listen to their viewpoints of how their lives have changed since that moment um, on September 11th when all of them uh, felt this compelling call to duty. Uh, and 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 two of them were already in the military in, in various degrees. Uh, Senator Joni Ernst uh, was already in the uh, in in the reserves, and uh, General Lloyd Austin was already um, you know twenty years into his career in the military. Uh, but Taylor Cleveland, um, uh, uh, Victor Lewis, and Sean Parnell are are three men that that hadn't had not ever served and and so well no, that's not true Victor's lewis did serve um but but you know they they were all just felt they had to be there and protect all of us and and it's i think it's fascinating and i don't think we think about this enough but only one half of one percent of people in this country are currently serving um in the military And um, these are this elite group of people um, are the ones that protect us literally from the bad guys.
1: That's an incredible statistic, uh, by the way. So how are they how are they feeling now all these years later?
3: uh, Well, all of them (laughs) would uh, join tomorrow if if their country called them. They would they would they would go and just um, just. Jump right in. Taylor Cleveland, I think, is fascinating because he was—he comes from a long line of military people, but he was unable to enlist in uh, right out of high school because he blew his knee out playing football. Uh, interestingly enough, on 9-11, uh, he decided he was going to join uh, much to the chagrin of his wife, and, and I think chagrin is probably a nice word. Uh, she she was really mad, and he 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 she told him no. She was four weeks from having their first child, and he went and did it anyways behind her back. He didn't think they would take him, uh, and lo and behold, before he even got home, the uh, military had called and said congratulations. You um, you have now. Uh, officially joined uh, the Navy, and his wife was the one that got the call on the family voicemail. So um, that was an interesting time in his marriage. Well, and and (laughs)
2: having read the piece, and it's absolutely terrific, there are people who became United States senators. There there was one guy at least who did jail time. There was some pretty significant PTSD. Um, Just, yeah, a whole lot of different takeaways.
3: Yeah, Victor Lewis... um, a uh, really bright guy, um, uh, and, and felt a call to duty since he was 17 years old, and joined again against his mother's wishes. Uh, she really wanted him to go to college. He's very, very bright young man, um, but you know he was also one of nine children, um, and living in a poor part of Cleveland. Uh, and, and african-american and he really just understood that his mother would not be able to afford it so he saw the military as not only just a way to get a college education but to also serve the his country he found out that he loved military service so much so that he kept re-enlisting i think he re-enlisted five times uh he was sent to uh, um, afghanistan and uh and he uh it was so funny i said to him were you ever shot at he goes no i said how about mortar nope and taylor cleveland his best friend said dude you were hit by a rocket um so uh he was he he had his legs shattered uh by a rocket fire um uh was immediately shipped back first to Um, uh, a, a military or medical operation in in afghanistan then to germany then back ultimately to the united states and um medically discharged and that's where his ptsd came in not because he was hit but because he felt he couldn't go back and take care of his guys he says in the story those are my men you know, I, I, nobody could take care of them in the way that I took care of them. And and that began a long descent in his life. Um, and ultimately, he ended up serving 30 um, months in jail for uh, a stabbing uh, incident. But it's it's well worth reading um, how how he's doing today.
2: Well, and uh, Selena Zito is on the line. She writes for the Washington Examiner magazine. The, the part I really enjoyed about the piece is it doesn't pick a single narrative like that gentleman's uh, you know, unfortunate post military run there, although he's turned his life around yeah. in a wonderful way. It, it just looks at the variety of experiences and reactions and the rest of it. I think it's, it's really good and really interesting. Selena Zito, uh, we'll have a link so people can find their way to the piece. It's terrific. Uh, keep uh, driving the back roads and uh, we'd love to talk <laughs> again sometime.
3: That would be wonderful. Thank you so much.
2: Oh, it's our pleasure. Thanks.
1: That stat, that one half of 1% of people serve in the military is, uh, is pretty troubling. Yeah, and uh, so I saw an author on book TV the other day. I'm trying to remember the reason he was speaking. But anyway, his point he made, he had just won some award for a conservative book award. Um, he was making a, a point about the the cohesion that we've got in this country right now and the sense of community and the sense of, oh, well, was the book about nationalism and how we could use a little more nationalism, mm-hmm. a little more, uh, you know, a feeling like we're all part of something and how in Israel... Uh, you know, they have mandatory service. Everybody goes in the military. But he said, everybody in Israel knows you can get out of it. There are a lot of different... There are so many ways to get out of it. Everybody can get out of it. But almost nobody does. Mm. In the United States, you got one half of 1% of people serving at all. And, and plenty of people who think that those people are stupid for doing it. Right. And yeah. uh, that's a problem.
2: Diversity is not our greatest strength. Unity is our greatest strength. And uh, it's sorely lacking. Too much e pluribus, not enough unum. Yeah, Jonah Goldberg says, I, I, and and well said, Jonah. I that's one of a couple of modern attitudes that really bother me. I mean, if we can have unity with diversity, then we're unbeatable, which is what we've always had. But those who claim to be for diversity are somehow anti-unity, which is it's like to be pro woman, you have to be anti man. That's the attitude of the idiot. And the person who's just filled with anger and looking for somewhere to direct it, it's not a philosophy that makes any sense whatsoever.
4: What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Trump is zeroing in on Joe Biden at a raucous rally. you got Chinese tech giant Huawei laughing at U.S. sanctions and a big step forward for self-driving trucks.
1: 550-some days to go, and Trump and Biden are going to battle for that entire time? Oh, that'll be exciting. Oof. Oof. For about a week. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hold on. Gotta put my Warriors' back hat on.
2: There you go. Bandwagon jumper.
1: I have been on the bandwagon now for five years, but uh, it's a long time to be on the bandwagon. I do root for winners, though, so I have my Warriors' hat on. (laughs) Golden State Warriors. Although I'm looking forward to fear the deer when they take on the Milwaukee Bucks. Best (laughs) slogan ever. That is a fantastic slogan. (laughs) News now with Marshall Phillips.
4: Gearing up for 2020, President Trump hosting another raucous rally. Hello,
0: Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania.
4: Trump's rally just days after rival Joe Biden's uh, big rally in his self-proclaimed home state. Trump firing up the voters at the outdoor event last night going after the former vice president. Biden deserted you. He's not from Pennsylvania. I guess he was born here, but he left you, folks. He left you
0: for another state. Remember that, please. I meant to say that. This guy talks about, I know, Scranton, I know that. Well, I know the places better. He left you
4: for another state, and he didn't take care of you because he didn't take care of your jobs. Trump saying it's no wonder that foreign leaders are busy calling the former pro- Vice President Joe Biden and begging him to run. <laughs> Sleepy Joe said that he's
0: running to, quote, save the world. Well, he was. He's going to save every country but ours. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. That's a good line. That's a good, <laughs> good shot. Um, you having
0: a good time, Joe?
2: <laughs> how, who am I to tell Trump how to Trump? But Sleepy Creepy Joe was so good. Don't abandon that. Creepy's a little over the top. (laughs) For Trump? (laughs) Not not by Trump standards. Lying tab. L-Y-I-N apostrophe.
1: (laughs) I guess creepy's not worse than she should be in jail. (laughs) Lock her up. Your father murdered a presidential candidate or something, right? Wasn't that one of the things? Yeah.
4: He was in
2: on it.
1: Trump saying other
4: countries have been taking advantage of American leaders for years, and he's put an end to that, pointing out... Politics is a crazy world, but when you have the best
0: employment numbers in history, when you have the best unemployment numbers in history, when you have the best economy probably that we've ever had,
2: I don't know, how the hell do you lose this election, right? If Biden <laughs> see that's such a bizarre thing to say, because the, the, all the classic political wisdom is you have to terrify your followers into showing up. You don't tell them how could we lose this? Ha ha ha! Nobody would ever do that. Yeah, that's why Trump's so funny when he's funny.
1: Um, if Biden ends up running away with this thing, what, what if he just stays with a twenty point lead all the way through and wins? Wins Iowa New Hampshire and North Car- South Carolina. And it's just it's just it. Um, It'll be Biden and Trump yelling at each other for for a year and a half?
2: Oh, I see what you're saying. It could be called way before the convention. Yeah. If he goes in with a 15-point lead over the socialist and a 24-point lead over everybody else?
1: Yeah. Just be these two guys yelling, these two old guys in their 70s yelling (laughs) at each other for
2: a year and a half. They might actually fight (laughs) behind the gym.
1: (laughs) Was it behind the gym or behind the barn?
4: Well, I don't remember. Well,
2: it, it, one guy said gym, the other said barn. I don't know. A series S- of small behind, town high school behind they, a series of structures. They used it for both. It was also the cafeteria at oh, okay. lunchtime. Exactly. Yeah. Then 4 H would come in with the cattle. And yeah, yeah. The founder
4: of Huawei says U.S. restrictions on sales to the Chinese tech giant is going to have little impact. Ren Zhengfei told Chinese reporters and comments broadcast by the state TV that the company's not going to be at all affected if it loses access to American chips and other technology under last week's order. Washington says Huawei is a security threat and is imposing restrictions as of last week on technology sales to the company. Ren said those controls will not impact the company's 5G technology that maybe some low end business might be affected. He went on to say that uh, Huawei's five G technology is years ahead, years ahead of the competition right now. So he is not worried at all. Big talk from the commie dog. The self driving truck startup Too Simple is getting a two week tryout with the U S Postal Service. Too Simple announcing it's been awarded a contract to complete five round trip uh, round trips over two weeks. The company's trucks will haul postal service trailers more than a thousand miles between distribution centers in Phoenix and
1: Dallas. So these trucks with no driver in them, or are there en- going to be a driver in there?
4: S- safety engineer and driver will be on the trucks during the pilot run. Hey, but, for the
1: for, well, go ahead. But the ultimate goal's got to be to get the driver out, right? Or there's no point,
2: right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's yeah. This is a this is a midway okay. point. But I rode in a Tesla with the self driving technology yesterday for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's pretty amazing it's it's crazy um I really want one
1: but unless I can completely check out it just I don't see the... I want to be able to either snooze or drink or or eat or read or
2: whatever although as my uh, friend pointed out he can you know reach down to start a podcast or you know do whatever else you reach for look at right. etc in a car and not drift across a lane or right. have somebody drift into him because he's not looking or whatever. It was, again, it was pretty amazing.
4: Mm. Anyway, Too Simple launched in 2015. It's got operations in San Diego and Tucson, Arizona, and it
2: is getting ready to fire up the driverless trucks. Oh, and I don't know how I hadn't heard this yet, but yeah. Elon Musk, being Elon Musk, he puts all sorts of Easter eggs oh, yeah. in the car. Like, you can, you can with a couple of touches, you can make it so, And Jack, you're going to love this. You can make it so that every time you use your turn signal, and for as long as it's on, the car makes fart noises. <laughs> wow. And, and, like, it has quite a series of different fart noises of varying frequencies and duration.
1: Wow. i got to tell my kids that. Although, how will I explain it without using the F word? <laughs> Since I don't say the F word. Hard fart pass- primary. <laughs> That's
4: right. Car is passing gas. And last yeah. night in Portland in overtime. And yeah, the and Warriors do again. Another comeback as they defeat the Blazers here in overtime and advance to their fifth consecutive NBA Finals. There you go. Do
1: you realize? Well, first of all, no team has been in a straight five straight finals since the Celtics in the '60s, and that's back when they had eight teams, mm. which means you just had to beat the four in your conference to get into the finals. Um, and they swept in the f- in the conference finals with their best player missing. What? What yeah. is that? It's, it's, they're a monopoly. It is a monopoly, practically. Bucks
4: and Raptors game four is going to be tonight. Milwaukee leading that series two to one. By
1: the way, did you see Durant is like getting into Twitter wars with people? who say the Warriors are as, as good as better without him, he actually takes on fans and coaches and people well, Congratulations Twitter. to him for actually using his real account this time, because he's been busted in the past for creating burner accounts to have those very same arguments. That, that's not a good look. No. That you feel like you need to
2: stand up for yourself if it's individual fans. Yeah, that's that speaks to a, a young man who probably needs a perspective check. Wow.
4: That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillipsy Armstrong and Getty's show The Conscience of the Nation.
1: Let's ring the bell. Steph, Steph Curry's brother said he thinks the Warriors are better without Durant because they play harder, because they know they gotta make up for it. Yeah. Which could very well be true. Well, and listen
2: uh, and, and I you you gotta stay out of that argument. <laughs> this is getting a little Well, if you're him? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But I've heard people say, Oh, there's no way. How can you be better without Kevin Durant? But listen, the, the, the sum of the parts, the whole... <laughs> chemistry is a, a weird thing. Exactly. And it can just be emotional chemistry. It can be style of play. You put Eddie Van Halen in the Rolling Stones on paper. Wow, that's a hell of a lot better <laughs> band than with Ronnie Wood playing guitar. Right? No. No, not really. That's Might good not one. work. That's a good one. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that would sound like. I saw somebody sent me a video. Actually, Richard, guitar player in my band, sent me a video of Mick Jagger jamming out on some new songs they are working on. A, he's a way better guitar player than I realized. Of course, he's been doing it for a while. And B, it sounded pretty good. Mm. And I'd kind of given up on the Stones. He's Joe Biden's age, right? who's who's older joe
1: biden or mick jagger Jagger, Jagger's 75 i'm
2: saying biden by two years yeah Yeah, that was going to be my guess uh mick dances a hell of a lot better than biden and uh he doesn't have to sniff strangers hair during (laughs) ceremonies either he just we need we need younger rock stars and presidential candidates biden's one year older
1: wow Wow. they're almost the same age wow that's crazy it is hilarious yeah If you lower your truck so low to the ground that you can't get over speed bumps, does the town have to pay for it? Among other things, (laughs) coming up.
3: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: How would you deal with him? Because that's one of the concerns, I think, for Democrats. Who can be on the debate stage and who, how would you handle the insults and the attacks and the tweets and all of that?
4: The tweets are, I don't care.
1: (laughs) It's hard to imagine why it'd be so difficult for other candidates to come up with an answer like that. But they just do. They just can't. They just, they think about what, what have we decided how we're going to approach this?
2: I heard Fox News senior correspondent Britt Hume saying, uh, Pete Buttigieg has as much raw political talent as he's seen in anybody since Obama. I would agree. He just thinks he's a natural. Well,
1: part of it is just a normal human being response.
2: Yep. That's Mayor Pete of
1: Indiana who, uh, yeah. You know, he's, he's the only threat out there to Biden, I see. But anyway, I'm not talking about that anymore. I refuse. Um, so a guy spent $4,000 lowering his, his Volkswagen Passat. That's a pretty common vehicle to lower <laughs> down, get really low to the ground.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: 23-year-old decided to spend his $38, you know, and I don't. You can't tell how much money somebody's got by looking at them, but oftentimes the vehicles that are lowered to the ground at great expense, it doesn't look like it's somebody with a great deal of money to throw around. Well, I was just going to say, this guy spent, what, five gur? you said? Uh, $3,800, about $3, 4000
2: oh, Okay, so, and, and then when this guy has uh, some sort of medical problem a year and a half from now, He's going to be in the New York Times as one of the forgotten something or other who doesn't even have enough money in or the bank or his for kid. an emergency. Or his
1: kid, and now his kid is sick, and he can't
2: afford it because right. of Trump's economy.
1: You his, spent thirty eight on his
2: food insecure.
1: You spent four grand lowering your Passat, right? Because having it lower to the ground somehow was important to you. <laughs> anyway, so now the town has installed six six inch high speed bumps on various roads. And the speed bumps meet, and this poor guy has to remap his route to work. That's an extra 30 miles a day, 150 miles a week, 600 miles a month, and 7,000 miles a year. All because of these speed bumps that are too high for my car. Yeah! Yeah! What about my ride? He also claims to have incurred about $2,500 worth of damage to his Passat by driving over the traffic uh, speed bumps. The town doesn't seem to care. Uh, I complain, Except for being amused. I complained about it the first the first one for about 6 weeks and they basically uh didn't care. I went to the council office where the road engineers based but I got nothing back but
2: physical and verbal abuse. <laughs> yes. The combo pack. <laughs> physical abuse. That's a little old school. Get out of here. It might they might, slap have, him. might
1: physically shove him out the door. Just
2: actually kick his ass.
1: Just get out. The road engineer was so mad at me, he kept pushing me around, telling me I had no right to be here. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yes, correct. He called me frivolous and vexatious. That was our original air name.
2: Right, right. (laughs) I'm frivolous. We did a law show.
1: Good morning. Frivolous and vexatious. That's pretty funny. Uh, They dispute that the speed bumps are that high, saying they're about half that height. So the argument
2: is over that, and and, and additionally, shut up and get out. <laughs> Final quote
1: from this gentleman who's going to uh, well, anyway, I
2: who's feel dis- going to end up on the public welfare system if it isn't already. I
1: feel discriminated against because I'm driving a modified car. It's lowered, so it's four inches off the road, and I'm being denied my right to drive on these roads.
2: <laughs> on the other hand, That's shut an inter- up
1: and get out. That's an interesting way to look at the world, you idiot. Wow. Wow, that is, it's emblematic of our time. <laughs> it's something, I don't know. It's emblematic of that guy being an idiot. <laughs> oh, man. What a maroon,
4: <laughs> as Bugs Bunny used to
3: say. <laughs> All so,
1: I
2: got was mm, physical and verbal abuse. <laughs> yes. Yes, I was afraid it'd just be verbal abuse. They pushed him around as well. Finally, justice. being an idiot. Yeah, no kidding. Quit being an idiot. You know, speaking of unfortunate things happening, and this is unquestionably unfortunate, but we got this complaint from William, who writes a lot of emails, probably a couple more than he needs to. William, come on now. <clears throat> he's he's talking about watching his local news. So I sit here watching local blank news. I noticed how bad it is. One story was about a transsexual woman who was killed. I'm not sure where it happened. While the news reader was saying it was in New Orleans, the screen showed the location to be Dallas. So I still don't know where the woman was killed. You're asking a lot from your your local news. They're going to give you a handsome middle-aged anchor, a perky, wholesome, yet sexy anchorette who's 15 years his junior, and a weather and or traffic girl with unusually large breasts. Mm. That's what you get from your local news. Asking anything else of it, well, that's on you. I don't you're, watch the news. You're going to the ice cream store and ordering a steak. They're not a bad ice cream store. You're a bad consumer. You want facts and accuracy? Hilarious. Something's on fire. They'll show you video of it. <laughs> All right? Now sit down and be quiet.
1: It reminds me for some reason this just popped into my head last night my wife sent me to the link of otters that look like Matt Damon <laughs> which is a wow. which is a website wow. and you new. still want to claim that we
2: should turn the internet <laughs> off
1: and there are many otters that do look like Matt Damon
2: cats that look like Hitler are thinking wow we are so yesterday <laughs> <laughs> uh, on to
1: something that, uh, maybe of more importance i become a bit of a um uh, Obsessed with China and everything about it. Mm. Uh, learning That's about, a heck about it, heck of an interesting obsession. God, I'd Just say China. I I listened to a long podcast yesterday. A little too long, actually. A lot. A lot of your podcasts are too long. Uh, right, let's keep it tight, everybody. About Thucydides' trap, which goes way back to the Peloponnesian War, and the idea that when rats are in your kitchen, you set a Thucydides trap right, with some exactly. cheese and poison. Exactly. <laughs> And you catch them, right? Now, it's the idea that when you have an established power, the rising power uh, will go to war with the established power. It almost always happens. Mm. And that's the uh, the trap, Thucydides' trap, that the United States and China are trying to avoid.
2: Oh, Thucydides, that's back when people actually fought like the Game of Thrones, spears and swords. But if you go back throughout
1: history, there's like one time out of ten examples where a war didn't happen. And I don't remember which one it was, but whether it's Spain and England, or German in England, and the United States and Great Britain, or whoever, it almost always happens, like ninety-five mm. percent of the time. And there are three reasons that this happens, and it is uh, some national pride, self-interest, and what was the other one? It'll come to me. Bad luck. Bad luck. <laughs> the weather. <laughs> uh fear.
2: Ah, of fear, fear. is the other. Sure, one. yeah.
1: Right. Fear motivates a lot. And you have to you have to manage those on all sides to avoid going to war. Anyway, anyway so there's lots of reasons to be interested in China because they are clearly the rising power and, uh, you know, in some ways are have surpassed us economically. And, you know, they're, the, no country in the history of the world has advanced as much as China has in the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, there's no comparison throughout history for that. From yeah. going from basically everybody living in mud huts to a, a major economic and military power. It's just right. incredible. Right. So I've been reading this book called China Dream by an author that's been banned in China about what it's like in the Chinese government and everything like that. And uh, it's 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 pretty Orwellian. We got this email with a different view, and I found it interesting trying to put them all together because I I'm assuming they're both true. Going back to China for work. My father-in-law is a retired airplane engineer. Brother-in-law works at GM. Other brother-in-law owns his own company. We have a home there. I'm a lowly teacher. At no point do any of us live the life that Jack speaks about in the book he's reading. And I despise the Chinese government's single-party grip of tyranny. We live as a normal life there as we do here. The people I know talk about making money, kids, college, homes, etc. This book does not cover daily life.
2: Wow, of the book that you enjoy so much, China Dream. Right.
1: And I just wonder if there are economic areas of suburbia that are what that person described there versus... What's going on in the government, which this book is mostly about, and also, you know, the, uh, the, the, the the poor areas of the country. Right. I mean, they do have, despite what this... See, I'm saying both are true. I'm not saying it's one or the other. Right. Because you can't argue with the fact that they got between one and three million Muslims in concentration camps right now. Nobody's disputing that. That doesn't fit in exactly with the it's just like it is here.
2: Well, I have a feeling two things maybe be a work. Number one, if you find yourself on some sort of list, your life changes. And number two, right. there's an enormous problem with uh, corruption at every level of government. So if your local or state leader is solid, you probably have a much more solid life than if they're corrupt.
1: Interesting stuff. But uh...
2: China. China. Armstrong and Getty.